blue down yeah evolution can go there and then if you start writing in blue in, in any gap you can find over there using those bullet points you've done this is perfect we'll just do a few more and then we'll carry on music sorry gary music. music what what should you listen to what shouldn't you listen to okay music genre if you can spell genre otherwise music is fine yeah, in, indeed. Religion. Religion. Yes, definitely. Um, that's quite big. I've got some examples here, things like, uh, are we an evangelical church or a charismatic church, or both, or neither? Or whatever, you know. There's, listen, I don't actually want you to answer that right now, <laughs> because that's a whole other sermon, and I'll get someone like John preaching on that subject. But, yeah, um, religion, um, uh, yeah. Yes, experts versus influence. And something else I'd written down here after listening to, um, what's, what's the, the question time, is it? The one, on, the one on Radio 4, not the one on the TV. The one that's on on a Saturday, uh, Friday evening and Saturday afternoon. Any, uh, any questions, yeah. Because there was quite a debate about that, about um, it, it, uh, one of the other things I wrote down here was the, the statue being toppled into the harbour in Bristol and the fact that the Colson Four have just been acquitted. So it was saying, have we become a value-based society and not a rule-based? Because we've always been a rule-based in this country. We follow the rules. But those, perhaps the jurors were lent on. Perhaps their values were that because it was all it was symbolic of something, they're actually going to say those people were entitled to break the law. So we're a values-based society rather than a law, uh, you know, law and rules-based society. So I don't know quite how you phrase that. Uh, Coulson, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. No, there's two. That's, I was going to say we could call it Black Lives Matter issue, but it wasn't. It's it's not because that's another issue. This is to do with okay. Uh, Libertarianism versus law. Put law down. It's easy to spell. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, sport. Sport. sport? Ooh, yeah. Do you care to elaborate on that? Why is that contentious? Some like it, some like yeah. Yeah, and it causes a lot of division. It can cause a lot of unity or a lot of division. Did you watch the Millwall match versus Crystal Palace? Um, vegans versus... Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> Vegan versus meat, so food. Um, yeah, what we eat. This is a real challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this, Susan. Thank you. Um, uh, pro-life and pro-choice. And that can be very contentious even amongst Christians, believe it or not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, pro-life, pro-choice. Um, what else have we got on here? Uh, climate, change. climate change, yes, climate. And I, I've written on my list as well, word or spirit, because I've, we've caught, had arguments in this church about that. Are we word-based church? Are we spirit-based church? Well, do we get the balance right? Or do we get it wrong? So, yeah, word versus spirit, if you can squeeze that in anywhere. Are there any others that we ought to have on the list? Yeah, doctrine, which, uh, which comes in with it, yeah. Yeah, doctrine, yeah, versus spirit. We could have, if, if Bernard had spoken a moment earlier, I would have just said you could work, write the word doctrine. <laughs> so put dash doctrine or something. Thank you. Yes, yeah, work at, working mothers, stay at home. It goes back to the pa- another aspect of parenting. 
So, yeah, where was, where was parenting? Um, yeah, we'll put it under that title. Okay, I think that will do to get us going. Because what I wanted us to think about is, are these, are these issues, and actually, fact, just before I go into the next question, I want to thank Susan for breaking her back to bend to the bottom of this thing. So, thank you very much, Susan. That was... Uh, I wanted to say Debbie McGee and then cut somebody in half. So as for my next act, after that pigeon flying in. But, um, lots of these things are worthy of debate, would you agree? But should they cause division between us and even between the wider society? Depends what we mean by division, doesn't it? And that's what I really want to talk about in this sermon and what, um, where we should stand on it if we can reach that position. Because I think that, for a start, I have, over recent years, become probably more cautious in speaking out about some of these than I would have been when I was younger. Perhaps that's just age and wisdom. Perhaps it's because I'm becoming scared. I'm more nervous now than I was about... Well, we talked about cancel culture. I don't want to be cancelled. I don't want to be cancelled by my society. I don't want to make enemies out there because people become enemies pretty quickly, don't they? Um, I don't want to fall out with my friends. I'm a bit of a, one of those people that likes to get along with people, so that's always made me perhaps not be as outspoken as I might be. It's a personality trait. Although when I was first a Christian, like I said, I was a little bit perhaps too outspoken. I used to cause offence. I know this is where there is a passage in Scripture which says Christianity is offensive to many, the message of Jesus, and that's true. But does that mean we should be causing offence left, right and centre? Probably not. Um, I'm going to just read uh, something from... I was reading in a book over Christmas. Um, it's a quote from Alistair McGrath, uh, who some of you may have heard of. Now, he's writing about how possibly a lot of the intolerance of Christians is because Christians over many, many decades and centuries have perhaps been a little bit... Historically, we're seen as being intolerant, aren't we, sadly? I th- would you all agree with that? If you look back over certainly over the centuries, Christians have been very intolerant and, and judgmental, where perhaps we've... Uh, and that's fact, let's just go right back to the Jews at the time of Jesus were being very judgmental, and even the early Christians who were Jews were quite judgmental. Do you remember they were going around telling everyone, you need to be circumcised? Um, and Paul says in... Where well, is Galatians, isn't it? He says, um, you know... Stop, stop these Jews, to the Jews, the, the, the former Jews who have become Christians, stop going around telling people they've got to be like this and causing division in the church. Now, why don't you just go the whole way and, and castrate yourselves rather than just circumcise yourselves? That's how ridiculous you're being. And, and that was Paul saying to them, look, we're getting caught up in religious, religion again. We're a new religion, and I don't want you to become a religion. Christianity is not meant to be caught up in the religiousness of like, where the Jews are become at that stage in history and so he's frustrated with them and uh, we can become like that in how we get caught up and try and say well you're not a proper Christian because you don't do this and you're not a proper Christian because you don't do that and in fact um, there's one issue on here where I've heard some debates within our church family recently to do with Covid where people have had strongly differing views and that's fine And I'm not going to say I know what the answers should be. Should we be vaccinated or shouldn't we? Some have chosen to be vaccinated, some have chosen not to be. 
And at times, the arguments have become quite vehement. And at times, some people have even started saying, they didn't use these words, but they were kind of saying, you are not a proper Christian if you don't have the viewpoint I've got. You are, and I'm not going to say which way round, because I think <laughs> it, it wasn't quite as extreme as that, but you could almost categorise it as being saying that to each other. And we get drawn into these things, don't we? But going back to the bit about the fear of saying things, I, I am quite concerned, some, especially when I'm on Facebook. I try and be really blur on Facebook. Don't put too much. I'm, I'm very respectful of a few people here who really put some quite brave things on Facebook. And I wouldn't, the things I wouldn't dare because I'm not sure if it's just because I work for a local authority and I'm fairly senior in that local authority, and, and I've always been... We're told by the chief executive, you know, if you've got anything political, try not to put it out there on your own... Even on your own private social media, because it can reflect badly on the council, which is possible. I don't want it to hamstring me too much, but it does... Perhaps that's just my excuse for being cautious and not wanting to get caught up in some of these things. Um, at this point in the sermon or in a moment, uh, Ben Courier was going to come up here and talk about social media. I asked him to do that, and he was going to spend 10 minutes of the slot this morning talking about it, um, but unfortunately he had his jab on Friday, and he's not feeling very well. Uh, I don't know if that's spiritual. No, no, it's not spiritual at all. He's just not feeling very well. So he, he's not here, so he can't do that slot, which is a shame, because he spoke very eloquently at um, the 18-plus group. They did a session on this back in the autumn about... Um, social media and how it works and the, the, the positives and negatives of social media and I know a bit about it because um, I think Rihanna and Ben were amongst those that were there that night and Joel and Leah and others and um, it was really useful apparently to get people thinking about how social media works so if, um, if Ben or Rihanna, I think the only two here because Joel went upstairs didn't he, want to say anything then do because what I had to do this morning was when I got the message at quarter past eight from Ben saying I'm still feeling there I'm not going to be there this morning I said can you just remind me what you told me on the phone on Thursday night you were going to say this morning so he sent me this and it's, it's quite short so I'm just going to read this out to you um, it used to be that everyone said sex sells so in order to advertise and to promote things and to get people buying into your brand, you associated it somehow with sex, because sex sold. Ben was saying, that's really something in the past. It's now fear and rage that sell attention. Fear and rage. The experts who design social media, the designers, the software developers, the data scientists and behavioural psychologists, exploit our human trait to keep our attention glued to our phones. So our social media feeds serve as content, stuff, that will trigger a response and keep us engaged and engaging. There is evidence of social platforms serving up videos of people being racist to people who have been targets of racism to drive engagement. All this fear and rage takes its toll on mental health at an individual level and at, as our and our cohesion as a society, we feel more fractured and polarised than ever. But social media is just a tool. By being aware of the game in play, we can approach things with wisdom. For, it might mean having, for some, it might mean having to hit the de delete button on your app. 
using the principle of removing something that's a stumbling block so we can grow in our walk with God. For others, it might be an overhaul of our social media profiles. This means a shift of focus from the things we consume that strengthen the algorithms of fear and rage and more towards content that builds us. Some people focus on things they want to grow in, such as following musicians or photographers who inspire them, or channels that help create habits such as Bible study and prayer. By knowing the scheme at play, we can also engage with more awareness, remembering to bring a kingdom perspective to the way we interact with people online. And he's put at the bottom, it was something like that, smiley face. I thought, considering he did that in about five minutes this morning, feeling ill, he summed it up really well. So if you're listening, Ben, thanks, mate. Um, where, where does all this fit in with a sermon in a Christian church on a Sunday morning? I think what I really want us to point ourselves to, and Bernard did this through some of the songs he chose, and this was in some of what has come out this morning already. Um, I particularly like the, the one that at the end says, For this purpose Christ was revealed, to destroy all the works of the evil one. And I'm just going to read another passage, one that we, we read and know um, from the past. I don't know whether any of these um, passages are up uh, on your list there. Derek, are you... Have you got any Bible verses there? You have, great. Hit it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So this is um, 1 Corinthians 13. Now this is a passage that's often read at, um, at weddings. But in this, there's something that just applies to, to us because we're, we're called to be loving, not just at weddings, not just in close relationships. We're called to, be, to show love to the world. And this is one of the ways we should be showing it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. And this is perhaps the key bit. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So why is it that Christians seem to be so angry with each other sometimes. I think less so in this country at the moment, but it seems prevalent in the United States where it all seems to be caught up in politics, doesn't it? And you hear arguments from... I don't know how to categorise them without it being too political, because it's not just Democrat versus Republican, is it? It's, I know, liberal versus conservative, but I don't really want to put the labels on it. But there is division in the church in America, which is so evident to society. And what kind of witness is that? Unless we really know who the, who the real enemy is, though, probably that should be the title of the sermon, you know, know your enemy, then we keep doing what, what it's so tempting to do, which is to point the finger at each other, argue with each other, fall out with each other, uh, instead of having healthy debate with each other and presenting people with what we believe to be truth, and having the courage to do that when it's difficult. We end up falling into the trap of the enemy, and that is we fall out with each other. Satan has a lot of ways of trying to influence us, and I'm not going to ask Derek to put all these verses up on the screen. 
But we have to remember that God definitely has a plan for our lives. We accept that. But something we possibly forget is that although Satan has a lot less power, a lot less knowledge, he's also got a plan for our lives. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the areas where he can pull us astray. And we have to determine which voice we're going to listen to and which choices we're going to make. Something that I found really helpful as I prepared for this sermon was something that happened this week where it caused me to become immediately impatient and angry with another person in a way that is not normal for me. Well, I don't think it is. Maybe it is. Maybe I was just more self-aware this week. But I fell out with somebody and their response to me was equally unexpected. And it was like suddenly we, about a really minor issue, we were at loggerheads and we weren't, you know, there was a chance we weren't talking to each other. And I was suddenly very grateful to Satan. I thought, that's you, isn't it? That's you trying to prove how hypocritical I am to be preaching this sermon on Sunday because I'm falling into that trap. But now you've, I, you've played your hand too unsubtly. I can see right through it. And I put it in God's hands and immediately the relationship was restored. I think the other person must have got the same message because it was like, it was like, it was like magic. <laughs> it was like God. <laughs> we were suddenly in unity with each other again because instead of dwelling on... I'm right and I want to prove that and I'm going to say this and I'm going to say that, it was suddenly, that doesn't matter. The issue was irrelevant compared with the relationship. We are called to be in relationship with each other and so often the issues get in the way. So here's a few things about Satan. And then when we go on in a minute, I'm going to ask Derek to put some scriptures up about how we counteract Satan. We won't, we won't worry about those scriptures being on the screen for now. Okay, so I'm just going to go through a few. So, Satan's a liar. He twists truth. From the beginning of the time, he's told lies, twisting God's word to bring doubt and disbelief. And we can go right back to Genesis to see that. But I'm going to read um, a quick passage here for a short bit from John chapter 8, verse 44, if you want to look it up later, where Jesus is talking to some Jews. These are non-Christian Jews, and he's quite, he's quite blunt with them. He's quite offensive to them, in fact, in, in what he says. But he's, he's talking about Satan here. He says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And in, in that lies his power, doesn't it? I think the Jews, I very often felt very sorry for the Jews at the time of Jesus when he pointed out their wrongness because they were religious men they were trying so hard to serve God and yet they'd gone so far off the truth they didn't even know who God was anymore it was all about rules and religion and beating up other people who didn't agree with their way of doing things and didn't do things correctly the next point Satan's a deceiver he will bring confusion and lead many astray he's a wolf in sheep's clothing and there's quotes you can look at from... If we had more time, we could look at them, but I'm going to skip through these fairly quickly. Um, the book of Revelation, chapter 12, Matthew, chapter 7. Thirdly, he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll rob us of joy, peace, security, and purpose. He'll try to destroy our families, our lives, and everything that we hold dear. And if you want one passage for that, which passage? You all know that one, don't you? The thief who comes to kill, steal and destroy, that comes from the book of 
John chapter 10, verse 9. Oh, I'd say 10, but Jim says 9. It must be 9, because Jim's more religious. 10 says, but I've come that they have... Oh, you're right. It is 9, yes. Yeah, you're right. 10 is the flip side of 9, isn't it? Yeah. I guess 9. Yeah, you were a spot on, Jim. So, yes, he does come to kill and destroy, and uh, Jesus counters that by saying, I've come to set you free from all that. So you can live without fear. You can be truly free. So you're free from all the lies that Satan tells you to, to tie you down, to steal, to kill, to rob you of joy, to rob you of what Jesus made us to be, what the, the creator God made us to be. Next point, he's the accuser. His voice condemns and accuses, bringing shame and fear. And there's many Passages about that, probably mostly in the book of Revelation again. Next, he's our adversary. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. He searches for the weakest, most vulnerable victims to devour. And he searches out our weakest points and attacks us there. Um, I'm trying to remember where the roaring lion comes from. Is that 1 Peter? James. Go for James. Thank you very much. Ephesians. Perhaps it's in a number of places. He disguises him like himself like an angel of light. He's deceptively cunning and can make himself appear beautiful and alluring. He attempts to make sin look good and evil enticing. And there's lots of places that that could come from. Corinthians, perhaps, in particular. He is a tempter. He'll do anything he can to try and allure you away from truth. He knows your weaknesses. Don't be fooled. He does know them. I don't know how, but he, he knows mine. He lures, he tempts with sex, money, power, greed, lust. Um, I'm not saying those are mine, by the way, just in case. <laughs> but they're just some typical examples. One of the books I read very, that really affected me when I first became a Christian, and after I'd been a Christian for probably two or three years, and I was starting to, find, to get very condemnatory of myself about all the things that I would do wrong. And someone gave me a book called Money, Sex and Power. I don't know if you remember that book. I can't even remember who it was by. It's quite a fat book for me at the time to read while I was studying at university. But I read it and thought, it's just so true how those three things have been used to topple so many, usually Christian icons, people we've looked up to, who've fallen victory, victim to the lies of Satan. So, um, yeah, okay. He's Beelzebub, he's known as the Lord of the Flies, the Prince of Demons. And like flies, he gravitated to decay and death. He lords over what death brings. Uh, Matthew 12, if you want to quote for that one. He's cunning and evil, he can never be trusted, he's a master manipulator. Don't fall for his schemes. Let's just go back to Genesis for that one. That's an easy one, there's lots of others, but Adam and Eve, maybe? That one comes to mind for me so often. And finally, he's the one who hinders. He's the stumbling block in terms of he'll do anything to prevent the name of Jesus from being proclaimed and the truth being shared. He'll try every trick possible to throw roadblocks in our path and stop us from being fruitful. And going back to to the fact that I think the culture that we're in today sometimes stops us talking freely on some of these issues. There's issues here where probably 10 years ago I'd have felt I could offer my view at work to colleagues. Now there's one or two of those issues where I'd feel nervous to even start the conversation because I could be seen to be being, I don't know, what's the right terminology? Partisan. Partisan, yeah. 
something that would end up with me being cancelled, <laughs> you know, me being ostracised, me being seen to be one of those religious judgmental people. But, but being judgmental is so different to having a view on things. I've had some great conversations with people recently. Rihanna and I had a good one yesterday, didn't we? I won't say what that was about. Just about one issue which really affected, has affected her and she feels that she can't speak out amongst her peer groups about something, a truth she holds dear because it's just so difficult, even with some of her Christian friends, to say those things and have those conversations. Because in the past where people might have been willing to listen, people seem so unwilling to listen. If you say something that's countercultural, yeah, bang, the shutters come down. So, what are we going to do about it? This is where we'll finish this bit. If we're going to be what Neil was talking about last week, remember he was talking about um, Adullam's cave, where a place where people who have need can come, then we've, we've, we've got to be free, haven't we? We've got to be able to invite them. We've got to feel we can. Um, and that might be stopped. And the other bit that Neil really focused on last week was the multicoloured baby. We've got to be that. If we become homogenised into something because we feel we've all got... Just within our congregation, if we all feel we've got to be the same as each other, heaven help us. We will need God's help because we're not all the same person. When I look around here, I don't know all of you really well, but I know a lot of you pretty well and have known you for quite a long time. We are all different. I have had disagreements with all quite a few of you here over the years. Healthy disagreements, I would say, because we are different. Looking at the body made up of many parts, we're not all a foot, we're not all a tongue, we're not all the head, we're not all the eyes. We have got to be everything that God has put us together to be, to be a blessing to society. And if we're too afraid to even speak to each other, in case we fall out, where are we going to end up? So, oh, let me just say, I have got very vocal since I last preached. Because I, last time I preached, I remember having to do this all the time. And I don't anymore. Isn't that wonderful? It's an admission that I'm very old, though. (laughs) So, let's protect ourselves from the schemes of the enemy. Be aware. Stay alert. Let's get those scriptures up. I'm going to turn sideways so I can see them coming up on the screen. If we can have 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So really, perhaps the key point from that is the devil is prowling around like a a roaring lion. Um, But we can resist him, because we can stand firm in our faith. The next passage... Um, James 4. So this is about submitting to God's authority, being ruthless with sin in our lives. So submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So for me, yesterday or earlier this week, whenever it was, that incident with a friend, that is, is, is resisting him, and he will flee. I could so easily, without even thinking that God, that Satan had anything to do with it, just have indulged in that argument. Next, Romans, chapter 8, verses 37 to 38. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, um, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that passage so well, don't we? We know we're forgiven. We know we've been set free. We know we've got God's mighty power working in us. We're more than conquerors in Christ. So we don't need to worry that, that any of this, any, any of the tricks of Satan can ever separate us from God. So stand in that truth. Next, Ephesians 6, verse 11, about putting on our armour, praying daily, readying ourselves for the battle, the small battles which each day brings, sometimes the big battles. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Then Romans 16, verse 20. Know that he is, this is about knowing that God is for you in everything. Um, the devil doesn't have any say over your life. He's got small influence, but he doesn't have any final say over your life. Romans 16 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's given you that power through him. So the enemy's plans can't succeed unless we choose to let the enemy influence us. And probably the final passage is this one. Although actually I might use one as a... As a Last little line at the end of this, the one that I use to remind myself. But the last passage I'm going to have up on the screen is Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. This is about continuing to meet together. This is another passage we've spoken about in this church fairly recently, about how we need to... um, Well, let's read it out. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, which is kind of where we started, wasn't it, in Psalm 133 this morning that Jim read out. So we mustn't just keep together, like I was saying, with those who think like we do. We need to keep meeting with all the brothers and sisters in this multicoloured baby, this multifaceted body of Christ. If we only meet with Christians who've got exactly the same Christian understanding of us, the group will get smaller and smaller, and eventually it'll only be me. Because ultimately we can disagree with everybody around us, even our closest friends, even our family. So we've identified the problem. We don't want to fall into the devil's traps. And I think perhaps by way of summarising it all, because this is, I find this useful, because I don't remember the Bible as well as uh, Jim and others. I know the key scriptures, and I can't always remember where they're from. But one that I remember, partly because of Monty Python, is blessed are the... Cheesemakers. The peacemakers, not the cheesemakers. God, how could you say such a thing? And just sometimes it's good to say, blessed are the peacemakers, just when you're starting to feel angry about something... And there's righteous anger. We've seen that in many examples in Scripture. And sometimes we we should be angry about the things we see in society. But how do we behave? How do we respond to that? Do we annex people because we don't agree with them? Do we shut them out? How do we behave? So blessed are the peacemakers doesn't suggest that we should be causing division. 
because somebody doesn't agree with our point of view. Whether it's within the church, within friendships, outside of the church, we have to be a people that bring unity in the way that, that Jesus showed in his incredible life as set out in the Gospels. So, that is the message for today. I'm sorry we didn't have Ben Courier because he would have said it so much better in that middle bit than I did. But be aware in everything from what you do on your phone and your social media to the conversations that you have and everything else. Yes, band, please do come and lead us again. Let's just pray and put it all in the hands of our Lord. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the times where we, without meaning to, listen to the lies of Satan as he whispers them so subtly and sometimes unsubtly to us. Help us to choose to respond in the right way. Help us to look to you, to the teachings in the scripture and to what your Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives. Lord, may we fight the battle, may we put on our armour daily so that the spiritual armour that we are all equipped with will help us to put paid to Satan's plans so we can be salt and light in every relationship that we are in. Blessed be us as peacemakers, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.